All right, let's go and open prayer. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to open your word. We ask that you help us to understand what you would want us to see from this, and we just thank you in your son's name. Amen. All right, verse 12 in Ephesians 5. For, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light, and whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he said, Awake you that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So we're going to look at this. He, says, he starts out, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. And this kind of links into what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks about all the evil things that he was describing. And, you know, think about this. And there was a day when if you did something wrong, you didn't talk about it. Uh, not so true in our day, is it? It doesn't seem so shameful. If you're sinning, people talk about it. It's kind of amazing. And, and TV puts it right out in front. Movies puts it right out in front. You know, here's this sinful lifestyle. It's all, you know, it's put out in front of us. And yet God says the way it should be is it should be a shame. And for us, us that are Christians, it really is, isn't it? When we do something wrong, if we're his children, he convicts us. And this is one thing I've said over and over. If you can sin and not be, feel conviction, you need to be looking at your... Where you are with God, because if you can sin and not feel that you've done something wrong, and God is saying repent and correct it, you've got some issues you have to deal with between you and God, because He says He disciplines His children, and this is this is true. And we, we we think about this when when we were children, especially for us, you know, you got in trouble, and you really didn't want to go home. <laughs> But what was worse, most of you in this room were old enough to know that you probably got in trouble where you were at. <laughs> if you happened to walk by any of the houses of your, own, of your aunts and uncles or something, you probably got in trouble with each one of them you passed by, and then you finally got home and got in trouble. And heaven help you to get in trouble in school. <laughs> Even if you did get the, the paddle, you were going to get in trouble at home. God is kind of like that. He goes, when, when we do wrong, he is prepared to discipline. Because discipline is necessary. You know, the world, it's kind of funny, the world tells you that the only reason people do bad things is because you give rules and give them rules to break. You know, that's the way they think. You know, they're really, we're all just blank slates. We're all, if you just left us alone, we'd be good. But if you give us rules, we'll break them. Well, in one sense, there's a truth in that. But you know, when you give rules, people tend to break them. <laughs> Because I know I'm like that, and I've said that before. You give me rules, and I, my desire, I don't always break them, but my desire is, like, why can't I do what you told me I can't do? Okay? But the idea that we're a blank slate and basically good is wrong. We are born sinners. And this is something we have to understand. I keep sharing this, you know, when people sin, I'm not surprised because that's who they are. You know, whether it's a, a lost person or a saved person, it doesn't surprise me when somebody sins. It doesn't surprise me when I sin. You know, it's against what I want to do, but it doesn't surprise me that I do it because I'm a sinner. And God is saying, you need to have your flesh crucified and him living in us. And here we are, and Paul is saying here that when you do evil, it should be shameful. It should be something you don't want the world to know. 
you know, and how often do we not want God to know? <laughs> you know, like he didn't know in the first place. <laughs> You know, but how often do we do things and kind of pretend like, well, maybe if I don't talk about it or don't share it with God, he won't, he won't know about it. You know, and it's, it's kind of sad, but really we do think that way in the back of our mind. You know, there's that thought of, you know, God didn't know about it somehow. But, you know, we know that, it's, that he does. And he goes on to say that all things that are reproved are made manifest by light. Things that are corrected. Things that are that are improved and, and corrected is what we're looking for. That is shining God shining a light on it. And we think about this. We've talked about this. If you walk into a dim room, the room might look pretty clean, doesn't it? You know, as long as it's organized. You, you turn on a light bulb, <laughs> and all of a sudden you see the dust in the room, and the, you know, and the little bits of litter, or the, if you're have animals that shed, you see the hairs of the animals, and the, and the brighter the light, the brighter the light that you put on, the more you see. Wrinkles don't show up as much in dim light. <laughs> well, my mom's got, my mom's got, a, got something on her, in her bathroom. Uh, the secret to wrinkles is keep the light off and the, and the steam running on the mirror. So, but, but the idea is the more that God shines his light on us, his truth, his, his, his righteousness, the more we see of our sin. And the other thing about this is when you've been walking with God for a very long time and you've, you've worked out a lot of things in your life, God has this tendency to turn up the light <laughs> and make you see more stuff that has to be brought out. And we would never get to the place where our our heart and our life is totally clean because God will keep turning the light up. You know, even if he has to put a great big spotlight on us, he'll, he'll put a great big spotlight on us and show the sin that we don't want to see. And this is what Paul is saying. God is going to make manifest light. And it says that whatsoever is made manifest is light. Satan is not going to bring out our sins. Matter of fact, he likes it when, our, when we sin for the world. And even when we sin as Christians, you know, Satan is a master of tempting us. Now, have you ever heard, heard in your voice, well, I can just do this, God will forgive me, it won't be that big a deal. <laughs> and you go out and you do it. And then Satan is right there on, on your ear saying, well, you're a terrible Christian. What kind of example are you? I, you, know, you can't show your face around in other Christians because you, you know, you're a terrible, worthless witness. Satan loves to tell us we're going to be excused and then he condemns us. And we want to be careful. When you're feeling condemned for a sin, it's not God. It's Satan trying to condemn you. God will convict. He'll say, repent. Satan condemns and says that you're worthless and you can't get back from it. And we want to be careful. There is no condemnation. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He is paid for sin. There is no condemnation. Will there be punishment? Yes. <laughs> Will there be conviction to repent? Yes. But God is not going to come and say, you're worthless, you don't deserve anything. Because it's all grace anyway. We've got to keep that in mind all the time. Everything about salvation is grace. He called us. He paid for the sin. He has a gift he gives us when, when we accept him. Then as soon as we accept him, God just, justifies us, and that is he declares us being, to be perfect. 
We really have to understand that when God looks at us as a Christian, he sees perfection. You know, we, we know we're not perfect, but God sees us as perfect because Jesus paid the debt. And even when we're being sanctified, it's not us sanctifying ourselves. We are being sanctified. God is doing the cleaning. He's coming along and saying, okay, I'm taking this out of your life and I'm going I'm to give you more of me. I'm going to take this out of your life and give you more of me. I'm going to take this out of your life and give you more of me. Yeah. We've said this over and over. I love the Christian life. It's simple. Give up to God. <laughs> Just give up and let him change who you are. And as he becomes more and more of who you are, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you get that message, then people are just going to not do anything for God. No. Because as you give up more of who you are and he fills more of who he is in you, he flows out. And you do more for him than you would have done trying to do it yourself. And you, and you serve him. And you listen to him. And you work. You know, Paul goes at one point, you know, do we want to sin so the grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. God changes us, though. It's not us changing. A lot of people go, well, if you teach this grace message, everybody's just going to go out and sin a lot. Well, if they can sin a lot then they're not, and not be convicted, they weren't one of his children anyway. Okay? If you can go out and sin and sin and sin just so grace can abound and you're not going to be convicted, you have the wrong attitude and you're not one of his children. You know, God is wanting to get hold of us. All of it is grace. And then, when we're either raptured or, or die... God glorifies us. He makes us who he, said we were, who he said we were in the beginning. It's all God's grace. You know, it's, we're saved, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of, yourself, not of works lest any man should boast. You know, nothing I do is going to stand before God. You know, at best, if it's in my flesh, you all might get blessed. But God's going to say, it was your flesh, it's going to burn. You want to be careful. Grace. You want to get a picture of God's grace, his perfect, unfathomable grace. I love the song Amazing Grace. You know, that saved a wretch like I. You know, we need to be able to understand it's nothing that we did. It's God. And if you really think about it, God's the one to put the people in your path to preach the gospel to you anyway, so even then it's him giving the giving you the message that you could be, even begin to say, yes. God's amazing grace. And then he gives us mercy. and <laughs> doesn't give us what we deserve. And yet he gives us all of the blessings of Christ. Being part of the family of God. Being in relationship with God. Do you realize how special that is? If you've ever studied any other religion... Most of them are striving to earn a position of, of relationship with God. Got to do enough good so that the, that the deity will accept me, or got to get my mind disciplined enough that I can become like the deity so that we can fellowship. In Christianity, God says, you can't do anything, I did it all. I did it all is what God says. All we got to do is come. And we have a relationship with him. I think back to Adam and Eve you know, what they lost when they sinned. You know, not just paradise, not just eternal life, but you realize that in the cool of the evening, God came down to them 
and talk to them. You know, have you ever just wanted to be able to just sit down with God and talk with him? Adam and Eve had that kind of relationship with him and lost that. You know, everything else we lost was bad, but that idea of just that intimate relationship with God the intimate relationship most of us want to have with him. You know, we just want to have that kind of, you know, love to just sit down on a kitchen table with a cup of coffee with God and actually hear him, you know, speaking to you. Not have to hear him through the word or through the spirit, but actually hear him interacting with you. It would have been great, and they lost that. And yet that's what God wants to have with us, and we can have a part of it. We're not going to actually hear his voice usually, you know. I've had once, once or twice where I feel I heard something. And some people have heard lots of things from God in their lifetime. And, you know, but the Bible also tells us that the just shall walk by faith. Okay? And if we heard his voice all the time, we wouldn't be walking by faith. We'd be, we'd be walking technically by sight, be by hearing. But you know, he would be telling us exactly what to do and it would be no faith. And he says, you're going to walk by faith. But are you, aren't you looking forward to the day that we can be in heaven and see him? No more faith. We'll get to see him, know him as he is. And all the other people that we want to meet in heaven. For many of us, family up there. You know, for some of us, the great biblical heroes that we want to go talk to. You know, wouldn't you like to just talk to, talk to uh, Peter or John, maybe Moses? Ask Moses about how much trouble those people were. <laughs> you know, uh, here, 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 his side of it. But God is showing us the light. How do we get this light? We get into the Word. We study the Word. We read the Word. And God shines into our heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We read the Word. We listen to the Word. We get taught. We get washed by the washing of the regeneration of the Word. He changes the way we think by, the, by getting into the Word, and He slowly changes the way we think. Have you noticed in your walk with God that the longer you walk with God, the more you start thinking like God in certain areas? You know, it may be slow, but you walk long enough, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, I would have never acted that way last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And you realize that the way you're acting is the way God wants you to act because his word has changed who you are. Growing in Christ. Growing in Christ is so wonderful. Learning to love one another. Learning to forgive. And forgiveness is not easy. Loving is not easy. Loving is laying down your life for others and, and allowing them to be right when you know they're wrong. <laughs> okay? Because it's not worth the argument to, to argue with them. You know, it doesn't mean you don't try to correct them, but it mean, you also can sit back and say, is it that important? You know, I talked with the other chaplain this week, you know, we talked about, because he and I are from two different de denominational points of view, and it's so fun because we can talk together. And we both have the same agreement. There's very few things in, that are worth arguing tooth and nail over in the Bible. Okay? Because most of them have nothing to do with salvation. Yeah. And I've shared with you, there's just a couple of things that I really believe. Number one, this is God's word 100% true. Because if it's not 100% true, we might as well throw it away and live the way we want because we can't have any guarantee that any of it's true. The other part is that Jesus is the Son of God, the only Son of God, lived a perfect life, died, and resurrected for us to have salvation. Much beyond that, there's not a whole lot. And I have some strong feelings about certain things. 
But if somebody wants to tell me they don't believe it, that's between them and God. You know, to show me why you don't believe it if you can do it without <laughs> getting, getting on a life and death stance, you know, it's fun to talk with people who don't necessarily believe what you want as long as it's a discussion. It's fun. But if somebody's going to plant their flag on that hill and say, you've got to believe this or else, I'm going, okay, you go ahead and you have your strong belief. Because it's not that important because the, in the whole scheme of things, how important is it? Yeah. Salvation is extremely important. It's your eternity. Having something to base our life is extremely important. It's, it's for our eternity. Whether, whether you have to speak in tongues or not speak in tongues, that's a pretty minor thing, and yet there's churches that will die on that topic because, of the, they, because they believe it so strongly. Uh, and there's a number of other doctrines. The early doctrines that split the church was whether when you took communion it became the literal body and blood of Jesus in your body. Okay? And that split churches in the early days. And nowadays we don't even think twice about it because we don't believe it. <laughs> for the most part. There's still denominations out there to teach it. But there's all these things that split churches that are totally irrelevant. You know, how, how big a deal is it? Okay, you believe this, I believe this. Okay, we'll agree to find out what, who's right when we get to heaven. You know, I'm really wanting to teach somebody, we'll find out that I'm right when, I get, when we get to heaven. You know, but uh, Usually I don't do that. I have to know them real well to do, kind of tease them like that because I know that I could be wrong as well. But we study the scriptures. We get to know. Is it important to have some beliefs on, the, on these different topics? Yes, it is, because it, it teaches us what God says. But is it worth saying, I'm absolutely right, and you've got to believe everything I believe? No. Because if you're going to take that stance, number one, you're really making yourself a very arrogant person to say, I've got all the answers. And as I've said over the years, when I graduated from Bible school, I was that arrogant person who knew all the answers. <laughs> Since then, I found out I didn't know much. <laughs> and, and I'm finding out I know less and less the more I study to be, to be absolutely sure of. And that's a great place to be in because God made, that's a place where you're teachable. If you get to the place where you say, I don't really know a lot of these things and I'm willing to be taught and listen to God, then it's good. Because none of us are going to know all the answers. If we knew all the answers, we'd be God. And we're not. And even when we get to heaven... We're not going to know all the answers because then we would be God and we're not going to be God in heaven either. <laughs> God is always going to be God. Amen. He's always going to know more than we do, have more information, more powerful than any of us. And this is why I believe that in heaven we will spend eternity learning. For in eternity we will learn and God will always know more than we will throughout all of eternity. Because if he runs out of things to know, he'll just create more stuff. Now, I don't think he's ever going to run out of stuff in the first place, but he'll just create more stuff to teach us about. So he'll always be more than we are and have light to shine on us. Then he says in verse 14, Wherefore he said, Awake ye that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Have you ever gone through a day, maybe an hour, a day, a month, a week, a year, almost like you were asleep. <laughs> and you kind of look back and go, especially, I, I especially have seen this on, on evenings sometimes, you look back and go, what did I do all night? You know, and you realize you watch a bunch of dumb shows on television or something, and you don't even remember what you watched, and it was totally wasted. 
I've known people who've wasted weeks, months, years. You know, they make jokes about the, the guy that's in the basement of his mother's house just vegetating, doing nothing, wasting life. You know, and, and they make it a joke, but it's really kind of sad, isn't it? Because there are people that do that. And God is saying, arise, awake. You know, wake up. How many times do we just walk through life and not even think about this? How many times have you gone through and you realize that you haven't even picked up your Bible for a couple of days? Weeks, months, years, whatever it might be. You know, you're sleeping. You're sleeping spiritually, sleepwalking. Because if, you're not, if we're not reading God's Word, we're not, we're not going to studies and learning about God's Word, we have nothing to draw on when, when the trials hit. I've shared with you, one of my favorite verses is, for all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. To me, when I'm going through a hard time, I grab hold of that verse because I so believe it. It's like, okay, God, I have nothing else to hold on to. I don't understand how this can be good. I don't understand how this might, can be good or anything, but you said it is for good. Whether it's eternal good in heaven or for somebody else to watch how I get through the hardship, and I've shared with you that can be, that can be the case. It might be God's just saying, I'm going to give you this hard time so others looking at you see my faithfulness in keeping you. That's a hard one to be thankful for, isn't it? <laughs> when, when you're going through it just so somebody else can be blessed, <laughs> important for us to keep that in mind. God never told us it's going to be for our good. He just said it is for good. And we need to keep that in mind. Why are we suffering? There's all kinds of reasons why we might suffer. And we've talked about this. The first thing you do is look, do I deserve it? <laughs> Did I do something <laughs> and I'm getting disciplined? Okay. Most of the time, that's probably true. <laughs> and then we go to God and we confess our sin and say, God, okay, help me, help me endure this. <laughs> There's punishment. Sometimes it's so God can just test what we believe. Do you really believe? We just learned about something. I've shared this. You know, if we're getting taught about, uh, if you're learning about love, God's going to test how much you love. How is he going to test how much you love? He's going to put somebody in your path that's hard to love. And depending on how far down the road you are, that person may be very hard to love and around you a lot. If you really roll on the, on, the, on the learning of love, there might be somebody who just comes in, your, comes in your life, makes you irritated, and you might get mad and yell at them, and God shows you didn't know that, you're not, that you don't know how to love. Well, you put up with them and you pass the test. You know, the, the great one, patience. God loves to teach us patience. When he's teaching us patience, I can guarantee tough things are going to happen. He's going to say, are you going to be patient? And again, where are you on the level of learning? Are you, are you basically an impatient person just needing to learn patience? And it's just a couple little things? Or are you farther down the road and he's going to say, I'm going to really give you, I'm really going to try your patience. I'm going to put somebody in your house for a week. <laughs> you know, I'm going to put somebody in your workplace at your desk next to you for a week. <coughs> or two, or three, or four, or a year, <laughs> or for the rest of your career. But God looks at that and he says, I'm going to work out. I'm going to test you. And sometimes it may just be the situation of Job, where Satan says, do they really believe you? And God says, well, have you ever considered my, my servant? And put your name in there. Because I'm sure that God has put your name in there at some point with Satan, saying, have you considered my servant? 
You can do this, this, and this to them. The good news is whatever we're going through, God is in control. He has given permission to Satan to go only so far and no further. We might not like how far God said to let him go, <laughs> and probably won't, because it wouldn't be a test if it was something that we could easily endure. You know, and I've said this before, you know, if I'm, if I'm learning to weightlift and I take this pen and I can lift this pen all day and I'm not going to gain any muscle, am I? <laughs> if I go out and get a barbell and put some weight on that barbell, <laughs> I'm now testing myself. You know, I go, okay, this test is really easy. I can do this. I can do this all day. You know, it's not, not bothering me at all. I can curl this pen and, and not have any problems. <laughs> you know, and so many people want to go to God and say, God, I want a test that's not a test. <laughs> Now, God, I just want to live life with no problems in it. You know, don't, don't worry about testing me. If you want to give me a test, give me a really simple, really simple test that anybody can pass, and God's going to go, no, that's not the way I do it. And we need to keep this in mind. God has promised us trials. Jesus said they hated me. They will hate you. And you want to understand what he went through, just take a look at his life a little bit. Multiple times where people wanted to take and kill him. You know, preaching in Nazareth saying, this day it's been fulfilled to you, and they're, and they're trying to take him out to the cliff to stone him. Multiple times that he walked out of the out of times that they wanted to stone him. Because it wasn't his time. Pharisees always in his face telling them how, how evil and bad he was. He's not following all the laws as, as they understood them. Whereas they had rewritten them. He's going, no, I'm following God's laws. And because he was good and honest and kind to people, they hated him. Have you ever tried to do something nice to somebody and they look at you and say, what's your angle? <laughs> what, are you, what are you wanting? You know, why are you being nice to me? What is it that you're trying to do, you know, get? Because that's the way the world thinks. If you want something, if you want, if you want something from somebody, you give them something first and get something bigger from them. So when we walk with God and we try to help people, they're going, what's going on? Why would you do this? God is saying, we're to go out like that. We're to, we're to, we're to show his love. And he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise. Circumspectly. That's kind of an interesting word that we don't use the way it's used anymore, but it literally means that we are to walk accurately and properly. And that is accurately according to God's word. When God tells us something, he is not just speaking to hear his voice. You know, how many of us as parents thought when we were talking to our kids that we were, that we were just talking to ourselves so often? You know, how many of us kids thought their parents were just talking to themselves and trying to make our life miserable with what they were saying, so we kind of ignored them? So often when God speaks, we'll have this attitude of, well, that's for somebody else, it's not for me. Well, I don't know if that's holding on. That's not part of my life. I'm not worried about it. The thing that amazes me most, the way I teach is I go verse by verse through the books. You know what amazes me most? Is how it's, everything I get ready to teach is applicable to the group, the people that are meeting that day. You know, I'm just reading the next verse, and yet there's something applicable to the church and to myself and to those we're talking to, even though we're going verse by verse. 
And this is the amazing thing. If you've ever been in church long enough, how many times have you felt like the pastor was preaching at you? You know, and it's like, uh, Pastor, will you read my diary this week to know exactly what to speak? <laughs> no, I'm just reading God's word. <laughs> but if you've been around the church long enough, you know that, that there are times where that seems to be the case, where you're the one being talked to, and you're, you're on those words. God speaking, you know, the pastor is kind of purposely picking it out and picking on you that day. But God is saying, I've got a word for you, and I want you to walk accurately in it. Now, the accurate, accurately part can be hard. Especially when you first learn something. You, we fall. We fail. But God is saying, I want you to learn to love. I want you to learn to be kind. I want you to learn to be patient. I want you to learn to be obedient. Maybe even be truthful, by his definition. I mean, we talked about this. In, in Numbers, God says that his definition of truthful is to speak everything that you know or you would be disciplined for perjury. Truthfulness. God's definition of, perj- of, of truthfulness is a little different than what we want, want to think it is. And so we get to know his word, and then we are to walk in his word. And we showed, you know, it's kind of amazing. The, the world has this very high level of thoughts for us. You know, they believe Christians are to be perfect. Now, their, their example is a little bit way too high because we can't live up to it. But how many of us as Christians have way too low of the view of Christianity and walk? Well, he's going to forgive me, so it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to try that hard. I'm not going to get into his word. I'm not going to learn what he wants. Somewhere in the middle, we need to bring these two viewpoints together and saying, yes, we're going to walk as, as, as good as God and allows us to. We're going to, we're going to be living the life that he has given us. He's going to give us victory. And it is great to watch God give us victory. It's been great to watch God give victory to different people in this church in different areas and grow and see his spirit move and watch him change lives. Because it's all him, but then we walk in that victory. We walk in those truths that we learned. Not as fools. <laughs> now, the Bible tells us that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. True wisdom comes through God. Foolishness comes without God. And if you look at people who are living without God, it, it's amazing stuff that I hear out in the prison with people. You know, the first thing is they're all innocent. <laughs> None of them have done anything wrong. They don't deserve to be there. One guy told, told me that he's only in prison because his friend turned him in for dealing drugs. <laughs> now, he's not in trouble for dealing drugs. He's in trouble because his friend turned him in. This is the way the world thinks, though. You know, we started out with the whole idea that the world is teaching us that we're basically good. And that we're all teaching all of our kids to be bad. I don't know how many of you sat down and actually taught your kids to be selfish and to lie. Uh, I know I did with my four kids, and they did a wonderful job being selfish and lying and, and getting into trouble. Didn't take, you know, and I'm sure Lynn didn't teach them to be that way either. So they are sinners. Without God... We try to make up all these different excuses about why I am what I am. Psychology is really good about it. You know, go find out what your mom and dad and, your, and, and all your, everybody that you knew did to you when you were a kid, and you'll know why you are what you are today. Well, I can do it without you doing all that searching. You're a sinner. You want to do wrong. I don't have to spend years trying to figure out how, why, why you're doing what you want. Go to God. Confess your sin. Let him change your life. Because 
the idea that they have is let's give you a reason, let's give you an excuse. Once you have a reason and excuse, you've got a problem. And there's this whole pr process in. Let's find out what you're doing and we'll give it a name. <laughs> Once you have a name for it, you're supposed to be able to fix it, but what ends up happening? You've named it, it's now an excuse. Lynn was telling me about how many of the high school students she deals with, they cannot sit down because they're hyperactive. No, you need some discipline, get your butt in that chair and, and discipline yourself. Yeah, you can't tell them. You can't tell them to discipline themselves because they've got this title on them that says they cannot do it. Is it more difficult for them? I will agree it's more difficult for them to sit down and be quiet and behave. But nobody's disciplined, saying get discipline in your life and, and sit down and behave. You know, same thing with all the other things that are out there. Satan is working hard to get all these sins that God, things that God calls sin, getting them called diseases. You know, you're no longer a drunk, you're an alcoholic. You have the disease of alcoholism. Now, if you drink long enough, you probably are going to have a disease called alcoholism, but don't tell me that you can't stop it because it's a disease, because you did it to yourself. Unless somebody took and put alcohol in your veins in intravenously for a long period, which I haven't seen that happen. Uh, you know, we're having people who, say, who are thieves and say, well, I'm not a thief, I'm a kleptomaniac. I just can't help myself. No, call it a sin get, and get, get over it. The problem we have is until we get in agreement with God that these are sins, we're not going to get victory over them. Because if we're making excuses, well, I'm just this way because, you know, you know my, my, my dad would, you know, was an abuser, so I'm an abuser. My dad was you know, this, so I'm this. You know, uh, you know I'm, I have an Irish temper, you know, whatever it might be. You know, we make excuses for our actions, and while we make excuses, we're not going to deal with them. Because when we're making excuses, it's someone else's fault. When we say it's a sin, now it becomes my fault. I have sinned. Once I have sinned, now I have to deal with it. Now, will all these things be impacted on what we do? Absolutely. All these things will have an impact on who and what we are. But we still make choices. When we don't forgive somebody, we're making a choice not to forgive them because we want to hold whatever it is they've done over their head. And it's so important that we forgive. And forgiveness is so much more than just saying, I forgive you. It's literally getting it to where we f basically forget about it. Technically, I know we can't forget about it. It's in our brain. But you know, the less you talk about it, the more you will forget it. The more you talk about it, the more it will be intensified and brought to the forward part of your brain. You know, there's things in our lives that we haven't talked about or haven't thought about for years. Why? Because we don't think about it. <laughs> Could we think about it and remember it? Absolutely. But if I'm thinking about how, I was, how that person hurt me and I'm thinking about it every day, I may say they're forgiven, but I'm going to, I really haven't forgiven them because I'm thinking about it all the time. I slip it into a conversation, well, you know, so-and-so is really, this, you know, this is how they are. You know, well, they did this to me so long ago. Why keep bringing it up if it's forgiven? God's not bringing up our sin to us. It's forgiven. It's under the blood. We've got to keep that in mind ourselves for, with God. If God can forgive us, why can't we forgive others? Because the greater, greater attack is God, on God. He's the one that made the rules. And 
David, when he confessed to God for his sin against Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, what did he say? Against you and you only have I sinned. Speaking to God. Pretty big sin against Bathsheba, a really big sin against Uriah, and a sin against all of Uriah's family and Bathsheba's family. And David paid for the sin later on because Uriah's uncle made life difficult for him. So he paid a great price for his, his sin, even though it was against God. And Uriah's uncle never forgave David. <laughs> Forgiveness can work out into some very tough places. And the last verse we're going to look at, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to concentrate on God. We need to think about him. Because if we are not actively buying back our time, Satan in the world will take it. Go back to our example. You've sat down on, on night. You had plans to get a bunch of stuff done. Whatever it might be. Reading the Bible, sewing, you know, whatever it might be. And you sat down in front of the TV and the next thing you know, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night and you're ready for bed. And what did you end up feeding your mind with all that time? All the evil and trash that the world can throw at you. And you don't remember it at all. I've been guilty of it myself many times. <laughs> you know, oh, I'll just watch the news. <laughs> See what's going on in the world. And the next show after the news, and the next show after that one, and the next show after that one. And you lost an entire evening filling your mind with something that is totally worthless. God says, redeem the time. Actively spend time buying back your time for him. Because it's easy. We're sinful. The world is out there trying to entertain us. It's easy to lose time, lose effort. And if you get too bad, you're doing it all the time. You, know, you get sluggish, you get sleepy, don't do anything. And God's saying, redeem the time. Buy it back and use it for him. He wants us to use our time for him. And hopefully you've been there where you've been into God's word and you spend time in his word each day and you spend time listening to, to different messages and stuff and you get really built up and, and excited. You know, and I've shared with you, if you if you're come to my office, you're going to hear preaching most likely, you know, playing on the computer. If you get to the right time, you'll hear some of the adventures in Odyssey or some of the stories, but they're still scriptural, biblical lesson stories. Uh, if you're in my car, there's only two channels that are on it. And they all preach. <laughs> uh, you know, why? Because I need it as much as anybody else. I need to be taught as much as anybody else, and I fill my mind with that. I want to be fed. I want to get into his word. I feel miserable if I don't listen to the radio or get into God's word. And I'm just like everybody else. There's times I get to the end of the day and go, I didn't read my Bible today. I got up late and didn't restart my day. And it's very hard to read your Bible at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night when you're ready to go to bed. <laughs> and I know that feeling. But we want to get into his word. The more we're into his word, the more we're redeeming time, the more he's changing us. And it's only his word that's going to change us ultimately. How does God think about something? Agree with it and walk in it. And it's hard to agree sometimes because sometimes he gets us right between the eyes with something that we really don't want to give up. And, he'll keep, and you know what? When we do that and we don't want to give it up, he stops on that until we're ready to give it up. 
everything we hear will be about changing that area he's wanted to change in our, in our life. And he'll keep bringing that new thing into us and he won't move us on. God is not like our school system moving on to the next subject whether you passed it or not. He says, we're just going to wait here. When Abraham was called out of the Ur of Chaldees, he made it as far as Haran and stopped for 20 years. And there's nothing in his life that the Bible brings out that God did in his life for 20 years. Until he finally got back up and said, I've got to go and finish what I'm told to do. And then all of a sudden he got God speaking to him again. Have you ever been there? I did it in my life. I walked away from God and had to wait for God. God waited for me to come back. And then he said, okay, let's go. Let's continue where you're at. God is immensely patient. 20 years for Abraham. 40 years for Moses. Took him on the backside of the desert for 40 years to humble him and then gave him, his mes- gave him the message. Because he tried to do the rescue in his own flesh and got kicked out of Egypt. God is patient. And yet he wants us to redeem the time. Redeem the time because it is so important that we live his way. Walk circumspectly. Walk in what he's given, given us. And learn. I've heard people say, well, I'm just not going to read the Bible because I don't want to learn anything new that God's going to hold me accountable for. <laughs> and I go, boy, that's a sad way to live, but God's still going to hold you accountable for the things you should have learned anyway. You know, and to be, try, to, try to get plateau yourself is not a, not a way to go. Because one thing about God, if you're not moving forward with Him, you're moving backwards. If we're not moving more and more into God, we're going to move more and more into the flesh. And it's a simple truth. We're going forward with him or we're going backwards into the world. And God can redeem that. He can redeem that when we come back to him. But we waste a lot of time that we shouldn't be wasting. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for each person that's here. Lord, we ask that you work with each one of us. If anybody's here that doesn't know you, that number one, that they will admit they're a sinner, admit that they deserve punishment, and, and accept your gift of salvation through your death. But Lord, for those of us that are your children, we ask that you help us to walk circumspectly. Help us to learn more and more of who you are and to walk more and more in your righteousness. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.